0: Welcome back to our Total Sense Bite Size episodes. I'm Tom Hensky, and I'm here to help parents teach their kids about money. Welcome back. Today, I'm honored to have the best and the brightest in college athletics, Dr. Ed Scott. You can't see him, folks, but he's on the Zoom, and he's giving me the luck. But no, I tell the truth. You are at a really well-known figure, and you are currently the Deputy Athletics Director uh, at UVA, but you come with 18 years of experience. When you and I met, I was actually with my buddy, Bo, watching a baseball game, and you remember you and I went and uh, hit it off because you went to Albany, and then you went to Binghamton, and I told you that all the smart kids from my high school, that's where they went, right? Because I grew okay. up on Long Island, so... You get the in-state tuition and all the smart kids go there. Thank God I played soccer and I was able to go to a decent school. You've been doing amazing stuff. You were at Morgan State. You were at George Washington. I talked about Binghamton. Uh, you've just done amazing stuff in different areas, not just with teaching student-athletes about uh, money and financial literacy, which is a topic of our show, but I'm talking about diversity and inclusion, improving graduation rates, the whole kit and caboodle. So I, I, I could embarrass you and keep going on, but I'll just put the rest of your bio in the show notes. Ed, thanks for joining us.
1: Uh, thanks for having me, Tom. It's it's always fun to spend time with you and in, in any medium, or on any platform. So I'm, I'm happy and grateful to be here with you. Awesome. So, you know,
0: I, this whole NIL thing is really interesting to me. And I know we've talked a lot about it, but before we get too granular, can you just share your perspective on the name, image, and likeness NIL landscape in college athletics and what you see going on right now, just from like a 30,000 foot view?
1: Yeah, I I think you defined it, right? So I think that's the starting point, name, image, and likeness, and the ability of a student athlete to monetize their name, image, and likeness and earn money based off their name, image, and likeness. I think that's the starting point. I think the issue that we're facing in the landscape, Tom, and you know this as good as anybody, but I think it's important for your listeners, um, is to understand that there aren't a a lot of guardrails around name, image, and likeness. And so that's what makes it difficult from a practitioner's standpoint, right? The rules and regulations around it don't exist um, in a form that gives us clear definition about what student athletes can and can't do. And so there's some gray area there. Um, and then uh, the other issue that you and I have spent a lot of time on, Tom, is how the uh, onset of the transfer portal has exacerbated the issue around name, image, and likeness and folks are using the transfer portal reportedly in ways that will allow them to leverage their name, image, and likeness. And I think the goal ultimately is for student athletes to be able to earn some compensation, but at the same time understanding that it wasn't supposed to be pay for play, which is one of the rules around name, image, and likeness, Or a recruiting inducement, which is the other explicit rule around name, image, and likeness. So I think that gives the 30,000-foot view to shape any conversation um, or any place you'd like to go from there.
0: Well, I've come to the conclusion that uh, added to the list of things you shouldn't ask about or talk about at a party besides religion and politics is their opinion on NIL. Everyone (laughs) has an opinion, some good, some bad. So what do you think about it?
1: You know, it's interesting, and, and I'm gonna say something, that you're probably gonna chuckle. I wish folks could see your face when I say this. You know how I think. I, I don't, I try not to think in terms of good and bad, positive and negative. It is what it is, right? And so when I hear my colleagues or others um, talk about how bad it is or how good it is, I think they're wasting energy. And here's what I mean by that name, image, and likeness is not going anywhere. And so my job, at, right, as a steward of the University of Virginia, is to figure out, how to work within the guardrails, the loose guardrails of name, image, and likeness, but most importantly, do it in a way that's authentic to the mission and values of the University of Virginia, right? So that's where my energy is spent, is trying to figure out, for example, at the University of Virginia, uh, I work with men's basketball, and we have a decent name, image, and likeness um, situation through our collective. And so we've brought in a guy named Tom, to do financial literacy with our student athletes, right? Tom Henske, in case any of you don't know who that is. I heard he's but a great the, guy. He's a good
0: guy, I that guy.
1: Mean, the jury's still out
0: on that one. All right, we're just but, gonna, we're gonna cut that out of this one. We'll edit you out on that part, but go ahead.
1: You or me with the rest of your answer, Ed, go ahead. You might wanna edit a lot out depending on, on the way this goes. But with that being said, you know, Tom and I had a conversation, you and I literally had a conversation about how do we do this the Virginia way? It's great for our young men, our our young women, our student athletes in general to make money. But what is our responsibility in that space? Right. And our responsibility that you and I felt was for us to provide financial education and literacy for young men and women that otherwise might not have it. Uh, Well, I think we both agree from a value standpoint that this is something that institutions should be teaching, regardless of name, image and likeness. We just use name, image and likeness as the entry point for us to be able to teach these young men how to be responsible with their money. So that's where my energy is focused. It's not on what I what I Ed Scott, right, feel about it. It's more about, okay, here are the rules and regulations. What can I do to put our young men and women in a position to be successful within this space? And so that's where I spend my time and energy.
0: So, so tell me on that. Let's limit the question to just student athletes for a second. So, in your experience, what are some of the common financial challenges that student athletes face?
1: Yeah. Saving money uh, is number one, right? And so, I, I remember when we met with men's basketball and we brought out the 20-50-30, right? And, and we asked them what that meant, and they had no clue, right? And so, I think that's important. Because we're trying to teach good financial habits, not just while they're making money, earning money, right, based on their name, image and likeness. What we're trying to teach them is lifelong habits. Right. And so I think that was one of the first things that sitting in that session that, you know, hit me like a ton of bricks. All right. These young men don't understand the concept of saving. And then on top of that, compounding. Right. How to use their money to make more money for them. And so this session, one of the best sessions I think that we had with them, um, and this is not a commercial for Tom, for anybody listening, this is more about how we're looking at it and Tom is just the avenue that we're using to get there. Um, you know, they they really didn't understand the difference between compounding interest and then inflation, right? And we had a session on why compounding interest is good and inflation is bad, And it was eye-opening for these young men to sit in a room and watch them, right? The epiphany of, oh, my God, like, I I don't even understand any of these concepts. Um, So I I think that's part of it, Tom. The other thing is taxes. We have a responsibility to these young men and women to say, look, you're earning this money, but you have a responsibility to the government to pay taxes. And I can tell you right now, um, many of our our student-athletes don't understand or didn't understand what a 1099 was. And so if we don't educate them, I don't think we're doing our job that we're um, obligated to do at the University of Virginia. So I think saving money, how to get your money to be a tool and work for you to make more money, and then ultimately your tax responsibility to the government, which if you don't pay it now after four years and you make good money through through NIL, the government's going to come get you later on and it's going to hurt worse. So I think those are three areas that um, that I've seen early on in the name and image and likeness that we need to pay attention to.
0: Yeah, we joked around in our house, uh, there's two things that my kids, I want them to be thinking about on taxes, tax avoidance and tax evasion. Tax avoidance is okay. Tax evasion gets you in jail, right? So uh, all, all joking aside, I think that it's really, we don't take the time to talk to these kids and that's why they have this paycheck shock The first paycheck that they get and they say, oh, gosh, I've got to lose 20 or 30 percent of this money to the government. Mm. And then what for? Right. So Mm. like a lot of them don't really even think about what type of taxes do I pay and then where does that money go? And it's something as responsible citizens, they should know. Well, okay, so tell me, how do you envision the future of student-athlete education on personal finance? Where does it go from here? I know what we're doing with the men's basketball, but like, if we were fast-forwarding five years from now, how does this look?
1: Well, I'd like to go back to one other thing, Tom. I'd add a fourth thing to something I've noticed in name, image, and likeness that I think we need to pay attention to, and that's representation, right? So outside of the sport of baseball, you can have representation for name, image, and likeness. And I can tell you, Um, having seen some contracts of our student athletes when it was permissible for athletic departments to review them before the rules changed. uh, There were some some representation folks that were charging enormous amounts that in other spaces would be criminal usury. And I know you know that from a financial term. What that means to the general listener is that you're taking above and beyond what is a reasonable amount for the service that you provide. Right. That's the layman's term on, on how to define that. So I think that's the fourth thing that that I think we need to pay attention to, because there's always people out there willing to take advantage of you when you have a lack of knowledge, you're naive or you may even be ignorant about some financial principles. So I would be remiss if I didn't mention that, Tom. But to answer your second question directly, I think you're going to see a bifurcation of education and financial literacy. And here's what I mean. You're going to have top earners who are making considerable amounts of money, they're going to, in my opinion, they're going to need a specialized education, right? A baseline. But then because they're making so much, they're going to need a customizable education program for them, right? Right? If someone's making 250,000 or 500,000 or a million dollars, what we're going to be talking to them about, Tom, and you already know this is probably going to be more nuanced than somebody who's making $25,000 a year. So I see that as a high earner, customizable type program for a select few, because contrary to to popular belief, not all of these young people are making enormous amounts of money, as you and I both know. And then I think you're going to have a baseline of general education financial literacy, which I think you and I would both argue that there should be a general education requirement on all college campuses that requires financial literacy because that's a human development skill. Um, So I I think that's what you're going to see is just two different avenues for how to educate student athletes on money. Everyone gets a baseline, but those who are earning so much more are going to need a more nuanced program to address um, their particular needs and how to put them in the best position to be successful.
0: Yeah, and that's just like how it is in the real world, right? So a lot of young people, when they get started out, they'll do their own tax returns. They just go online, they plug in the numbers, it gets done. Then all of a sudden, if you get your top earners who are working in New York City get on a hedge fund or they're a doctor and they, or an entrepreneur, they need a little bit more, they get an accountant, right? So I think that that's normal. What's the saying? More money, more problems? Well, yeah. in some ways, yes. In other ways, no. But uh, I, I think that that's uh, what you're going to start to see too. I 100% agree. So what's the feedback from the athletes that are getting educated? What are you hearing from them? Is it an annoyance that they have to go into this class? Are they into it? Do they feel like they're learning anything? You know, be careful what you say. Don't say anything bad about me because I'm going to edit that out anyway. But like, you know, what are you seeing and hearing from
1: them? I think it's it's interesting. I, I like that question, and here's why. I think you had an expectation on what it was going to be like, as well as the student athletes having an expectation, right? And so I think anyone who's getting into this space, what I would recommend to them is they need to choose the person doing the education very carefully. And I think that's one of the best things we did, right? I personally enjoy you um, for a myriad of reasons, right, that you know. But if if I, Dr. Ed Scott, and you know, as the guys call me Doc, my nickname, if I bring you in there, you have to be an extension to me. And so we spent a large amount of time in the beginning, you, myself, and Ronnie, talking about what that room was going to be like, because you're an expert with the material, right? And you have a quirkiness about you. And I mean this with love, as you know, right, that comes off authentic and genuine that a young person can gravitate toward, right? And that for me was equally, if not more important than your command of the information. Because if they don't, like you if they can't understand you if they don't feel like they can relate to you i think especially with student athletes even more so than general students on a campus it's harder to connect to them so i think that's the first thing that we did really well and and luckily you kind of fell into our lap i think the other part was for the student athletes setting their expectations let's talk about the logistics first tom we we do 45 minutes to an hour so this is short It's intense but we're not keeping them there all day where we're, you know, they're leaving in just pure boredom. Right. I think half the time they're looking for more information by the time we're done and we're like, okay, we'll see you next month. And so I think by the the way we've been intentional about setting it up once a month, about an hour session, I think the office hours, right. I, basically you're our financial literacy professor, the office hours that you provide before you do a session, when you come in early, allows the individual student athlete to come in and talk about their own situation in a way that there's trust with you in a way that they don't feel um, a certain way, you know, based on their teammates and then they may not feel comfortable asking a question or be embarrassed. Um, And it allows them to address their personal situation. And then I think the last thing that we've done really well, that has helped the student athletes and, and given us positive feedback is we've asked them for their input. It's not Tom, an older white male or Ed, an older black male, trying to decide what we think is important for this generation to know. Yes, there is a baseline. Right. We started with a budget. You need to know all the things that go into your budget. You need to know how to manage your money. But what are you facing today that we can educate you on that's relevant to your personal situation as an 18 to 22 year old young man? And I think, Tom, because we were intentional and thoughtful in our approach, I can tell you after the first couple of sessions, I went to two people particularly. I went to Reese Beekman and Ryan Dunn. And I said, those are my guys. I know them well. They trust me. I trust them. And I said, don't BS me. Give me feedback on Tom. Yo, Doc, Tom's good people, man. We like Tom, right? And I'm I'm being facetious and making fun of how they talk. But they were like, you know, this guy understands what we need and he cares about us. And the biggest thing, Tom, and I'm going to say this, and and this is me tooting your horn, which I rarely do. I don't like to do to you, especially you of all people, is you're doing this out of the kindness of your heart. You're not doing it for money. You're not doing it for fame or prestige. You're doing it because you knew there was a gap between where these young men understand or what they understand about money and financial literacy and the amount of money that they have the potential to earn through their name, image, and likeness. And I think those young men understood your motive. And when student-athletes understand that you're pure and they know that you truly care about them, then you're able to build trust. So that's a really long-winded answer, but I think it's important for anyone starting one of these programs to consider all of those variables if they want to be successful. Yeah, it's
0: interesting. When we got started and I said to myself, every university is going to need to have this, and I agree, it's not just going to be athletic departments, it's going to be much bigger than that, but... I thought to myself, they're not gonna teach them the right stuff. That's what I thought at first. Now I'm realizing the content we can organize. Like We've already started to organize it. So in a way that we could take that template and put that with women's basketball, with any team yep. at any university. I think the tough part is gonna be finding the person to deliver. Because <laughs> you have a lot of situations where there's miserable self-interest right? And yep. why does the, yep. is that person an advisor hoping to make these kids clients, which like, look, it's not the worst thing in the world, but it's something you got to think about. And so Ooh. I actually see that as the challenge going forward, not the content. We're going to wrap that up. We've got it and it's not going to be a problem. It's going to be finding the person to deliver it because you need a lot of people to deliver it. Because if let's say yeah. Virginia has, I don't know, 27 teams-ish right? So 2017, and then you look at all the universities that need to have it. Now they don't all have 27 teams, but
1: wow, that starts to add up. That's huge. Well, and then there's credibility, right? Tom, I think when you came in and you said, look, I won three national championships with the men's soccer team. You saw them all straighten up, right? You have been through what they're going through. So there's a level of empathy, a level of compassion. I I think (laughs) You know, if, if I could press upon anything on your listeners, we as much as college athletics is changing and you and I talk at nauseum about this. The one thing that has not changed is we're still dealing with 18 to 22 year old young men and women and they're psychologically, emotionally, they're still developing at the same rate, if not less than they were before because of social media and some of these other things. So, those relationships matter. The intent behind why somebody's doing something, it matters deeply. And student athletes, especially at a high level like the University of Virginia, have a lot of people that want things from them because of who they are, right, as an athlete not what they are as a person. And I think when you can separate the two, it allows you to be more successful. So yes, Tom, it's it's going to come down to who delivers the content and how they deliver that content. That's going to make it more impactful. You can have five professors delivering the same content. The one that the students can relate to will usually have better grades. I've got to tell you,
0: when I sat in that room, and I know you met with a lot of financial advisors to fill the spot, I challenged you guys. I said, look, if it's not going to be epic, I'm out. I'm out. Because I wanted to associate what I was doing with a group that really cared. And now I knew Virginia would care. I'll tell you, when I sat in that room, I just saw three guys that wanted to do it differently. That wanted to make it not just the check the box, but really make an impact. And I'll tell you, I am super proud of being part of it because I think we're building something great and it's going to be the model for all universities to to take and run with. But I thank you because you're the one who allowed me to challenge you and to have a vision and you had your own vision and we married those together and now it's fantastic. So I really appreciate it. Any further words of wisdom for your colleagues around the country who do what you do?
1: You know, I, I don't know if they're first of all, I'm, I'm, I am I'm. think I'm a little too humble to say any words I have or wisdom, how people choose to use my words. I hope they become knowledge. Right. And they can apply them. Um, but here's what I would say is understand your environment right, and understand your population, and ultimately do what you think is right, not because of name, image, and likeness, but because you care about the young people. And I think when that's your filter, right, like I care about these young men, I want them to be successful. I want what you want, Tom, I want in 15 years to go to one of their weddings, right, or see their children. And I want them to be like, hey, you know, it's because of what you taught me that I have this house, or I made this investment that's lifelong learning. And I think when you genuinely care, name, image, and likeness is another tool like basketball or soccer or baseball to put a person in position to be successful later in life. And I think if that's your aim, as, as you and I talk about, the long game versus the short game, I think what will happen is that you'll become very, very successful. Um, And I think ultimately, I think ultimately that you're going to do what's right by the student athlete. And so that would be my advice. Don't concentrate on how do we get through name, image, and likeness. If we're going to do name, image, and likeness, how do we do it the right way and use it as a tool to teach lessons later in life? And I think ultimately you'll be really successful with your young people. Dr.
0: Ed Scott, otherwise affectionately called Doc. Hey, you're (laughs) awesome at what you do but you're awesome at what you do because you're an awesome person and you care. And I hope that came out in this. Thank you, thank you, thank you for visiting us today.
1: It was great talking to you and keep up the great work, my friend. Thank you, Tom. It's always a pleasure to spend time with you. You're one of, since I've come to Virginia, um, you've become a friend, um, not only because I'm at Virginia, but because we share similar values. And so I consider it a privilege and I'm grateful for you, Tom. So thank you very much.
0: I hope you enjoyed our episode of Total Sense. A special thank you goes out to Verso Studios at the Westport Library. Tune in for our next Money Chat.